Welcome to the Real Uniting Church podcast with Scott and Marty. In this series, we go in search of the core identity of the Uniting Church in this its 40th year and where we might go in the years to come. Join us. Hi, and welcome to the Real Uniting Church podcast. Today, a special one-on-one chat with Stu Cameron, lead minister at New Life Uniting Church on the Gold Coast. We're going to dig right into church planting. What does church planting mean for our movement, our denomination? Where are we heading? What does success look like? Join us for the chat. So, Stu, welcome to the Real United Church podcast. It's great, great to be here, Scott. Great to have you here. I, I want to explore some stuff around church planting today, yeah. um, in particular. Um, I know New Life, you know, church planting is really important to you guys, and we'll talk about New Life in particular in a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get there, I guess what I'm interested in is your perspectives on how church planting matters to us as the whole Uniting Church. I think it matters because it's a gospel uh, issue and imperative. And I mean, church planting for me isn't it is not an end in itself. It's actually a means to an end, and the means to an end is to be a church that makes disciples. So uh, the goal is not to church plant. The, the goal okay. is to make disciples, yeah. and one. The primary methodology is to make disciples is to plant churches that make disciples. So um, planting churches is a strategy. It's, a, it's, it's part of that, um, uh, part of fulfilling the Great Commission uh, that has been given to us and all churches that proclaim Christ as Lord and, and, and are central uh, to uh, not only their mission but also their very identity. And of course the basis of the union makes that very clear. So I think church planning um, is even though it's not uh, explicitly named within the basis of union I think it's implicitly a part of uh, or should be a part of who we are as a church yeah. uh, because uh, <laughs> using some of the language of the basis of union for example we're a pioneering movement and yeah. pioneering is something that church planning certainly falls within uh, that category um, so I think in summary Church planning is a means to the end. The end is to make disciples. Making disciples is a commission given to us by Christ himself, so we're fulfilling that which Christ himself has mandated. So when we use a label like church planting, Mm. what sits behind the label for you? Is there a one-size-fits-all? Is there a one-model of church? Is there a one-model of planting new churches? Yeah, behind the label, Scott, I think is a lot of assumptions. People people automatically think of a model rather than a myriad of models. I mean, I think... So do you think we just think the model that we know? Yeah, and, and, and we bring our biases to it, yeah, okay. either positive or otherwise. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's a variety. There are there are as many varieties of uh, church planning models as there are a variety of contexts yeah. and leaders. I think the two things that impact on, on the model, well, there's a number of things that impact on model, but two things in particular would be... Uh, the gift mix of the leader or leaders that are they're engaged in that process, uh, and then context. Context is everything, yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, and so, um, so I think church planning um, uh, is not a model; it's a myriad of models. Um, but at heart, church planning is about um, establishing vibrant communities of faith where disciple making is central. And when I say disciple making, I, I mean in the broader sense of that word. I don't mean in terms of seeing people come to faith, but actually also seeing people grow in faith. Yeah, yeah. So it's about both. Yeah. Uh, using biblical language, seeing people justified by faith, but also sanctified by grace. Yeah. 
so growing in Christ-likeness. Um, so it's it's not a church planning is not a not an event; it's a process of of, of disciple making. You mentioned context being mm. critical, or context is king is is a phrase that gets banded around. Yeah. Um, what what do you see as some of the critical contexts around Queensland um, mm. that we might think about when we talk about church planting in Queensland? Yeah. Well, obviously, I mean, Queensland is such a diverse state. Yes. I mean, we have, we have it's obviously a bit of an unfair question. It is, it is, it is. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, uh, you know, church planting in a rural context, for example, yeah. is going to look very different to church planting in a, in a city or a regional city context. Um, you just don't have... You have different resources available. You have, you're reaching different people. Um, you know, that we constantly need to be... Um, yeah. I heard a phrase, just to, just to I guess brings it home for me I can't remember who said it but you know we need to be um, uh, dating our model and married to our mission yeah this idea. I've heard that phrase yeah and I think I'd it's like to claim credit for it yeah so I'm, not sure, I'm not sure where it came yeah. from but I think it, it speaks to a really mm. fundamental um, fundamental uh, challenge for us as a church we, we tend to hold tightly to our models yeah. uh, and you know, I think that's the same for traditional churches as for contemporary, so-called contemporary churches. You know, we, we hold tightly to our models um, when we hold, should hold very loosely to them. That doesn't mean we change things on, on a whim, yeah. but we should change, change it also, always be navigated carefully, but, but it should be um, driven by a missional imperative. Mm. So going back to church planning, uh, it, it depends on the site, I mean, talking about the different context, the size of the community that is happening and the demographic of it, including um, not just age, but also uh, the um, mix of nationalities that are present, those sorts of things. So, you know, they're, they're just a couple of things. But again, I think um, I'd also say, not as important, but, but important nonetheless is you know, the, the, the gift mix of the, the person that feels called or is being sent to pioneer that. Yeah. Different leaders will plant in different ways, and that's okay. We should be... That, that's been a revelation for me. So it's not one... what Not one model fits every context. Not not one model fits every leader or yeah. group of leaders. So let's, um, let's just dig into that a little bit. I mean, this is an interesting one for you. You also, mm. should say, wear the hat of chairing our Synod's Board for Christian Formation. Um, so I'm interested in, you know, that variety of context and variety of people and the implications then for us as a church when we think about developing church planting leaders. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's a very good point. I think important for us is developing particular capacities in leaders that will enable them, we okay. hope and pray, to, to plant successfully. And what might some uh, of those? I think uh, entrepreneurial capacities. Yeah. I think um, you know, church planting requires a certain degree of uh, creativity, yeah. uh, entrepreneurial flair, if you like. Um, you know, you, you need to be pretty much, I mean, it sounds like business speak, it's not, but there needs to be a fair amount of internal motivation. You know, we, yeah. we say that comes from personality, but it also, we would say, comes from, from, from a, a spiritual gifting yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, I think resilience, it's hard work. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be often feel like one step forward, two steps back. Um, you know, the, the statistics around church planning is that something like 80% of, uh, of new initiatives don't survive the first five years. Sounds like the statistics for small business. 
Indeed, I yeah. think I think there are parallels here. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I think there are, and I, and I think for us as a, a church and and for leaders also, um, is learning. You know, to to borrow a phrase from John Maxwell, to fail forward. Mm. We're going to have more failures when it comes to church planning. We as leaders and we as a church are going to have more failures than we are successes. Um, that's okay. That's actually biblical. Uh, I, I don't think we should be. Yeah. It, that'll hurt. Yeah. Uh, and that'll be difficult. I'm not papering over that, but it's not. It's not terminal. Yeah, yeah. Failure is not terminal, and certainly when it comes to church planning, because uh, we learn as we go. Um, we're writing a rule book as we go. No such thing as a rule book that exists, but nonetheless, we're, we're learning as we go. And as long as we're prepared to learn, so entrepreneurial capacity, resilience, a capacity to learn and grow, um, I think these are critical. You would say not just for church planning, but in yeah. any 21st yeah. century That's right. um, pioneering context. Um, so I'm just in the middle of reading a book called 5Q, brand new book out by Alan Hirsch, uh, kind of well-known around the, around the place in terms of pioneering and mm-hmm. missional leadership. Mm-hmm. And essentially his um, thesis in the book, or at least as far as I've read in it so far, he might change his mind, is that you know taking the Ephesians five-fold kind of ministry model of apostle, prophet, uh, evangelist, pastor, teacher, that, that oftentimes in our churches we have, um, in a sense, privileged pastor, teacher, uh, to the detriment of the other you know, evangelist, prophet, apostle. Um, I can't help wondering whether there's something um, in the mix of what he's talking about and what you just talked about in terms of looking for entrepreneurial and yeah, yeah, yeah. self-motivated and uh, creative and, you know, if we think about um, apostle and prophet and evangelist and if if we if we would agree with Hirsch that you know we've kind of dampened those things in our life, I oh, look. I would agree. I think we have. Um, you know, one of the you know in a previous role, I had um, a responsibility uh, as a denominational leader. I was general secretary in the South Australian Synod, and I would say, and this was not only half jokingly, that part of my role I saw was to protect the Mavericks. Yeah. We don't do well with the Mavericks in yeah, the United yeah. Church. Yeah. Church planning by its very nature is going to, at the very least, raise eyebrows, yeah. if not get people royally annoyed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because we're going to tread on toes, we're not going to do things the way we've always done them. Yeah. Um, it, it's going to challenge the status quo. Um, I love the phrase that Ronald just attributed to Ronald Reagan. He said, status quo is Latin for the, me- for the mess we're in. And um, I think, I like um, you know, I think we need more people who do and will yeah. challenge the status quo in, in, in prophetic, loving, mm-hmm. gracious ways, you know, not in a self-aggrandizing or look at me way, but in a way that expresses love for the church and for its mission. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, I was in, uh, uh, some years ago, I spent some time in uh, Papua, West Papua, as, as many referred to it. Uh, with one of our partner churches and uh, our partner church there the two ordained ministries they had was that of pastor and evangelist okay an evangelist was elevated to the same level yeah, yeah. and given the same status yeah. as an ordained set apart ministry and that's stayed with me yeah. since uh, that that which we celebrate that which we elevate is that which is important in our yeah, life yeah, true. and and pastor teacher is by far the, yeah. the, the order, if you look at that five-fold order, yes. the, the one that we honour and celebrate. Mm-hmm. And frankly, in many ways, going to your, your original question around formation, 
that which we train for, mm. uh, primarily. Let's bring this conversation to a real world kind of setting. Talk to me a little bit about new life, mm. um, and in particular, you know, where new life's experiences have been mm. and currently are around mm. church planting. What's mm. what's been happening? Yeah, so the journey started for us uh, well, ten and a half years ago when you know we went through our visioning process and we. We identified what what Jim Collins would call three big, hairy, audacious goals, yeah. you know, and church planning was one of those. Was set to plant five churches by 2021. We recognised that as a regional church, we were resourced, perhaps better than most, to, to even explore that. Yeah. Uh, we didn't know what we didn't know, and we didn't actually do anything about that for another uh, four years. Okay. Um, and uh, when we established a campus of our church at Pacific Pines. Uh, Oral Battersby um, pioneered that for us. We sent 30 or 40 people north, about 20 minutes north, uh, who lived in the area or had a heart for the area to establish that. Um, I mean, Oral was a great blessing to us in that we didn't have anyone within our church at the time we felt had the requisite skills, and Oral had had that experience. So we learnt from Oral and with Oral in many ways Mm -hmm. through that experience of finding a venue, yeah, developing yeah. a team, yeah. you know, establishing connections with the community, of, yeah. of working out where we fit and how yeah, we bless yeah. that region. Um, and also what the, the difference between a church campus and a, and a church plant. And, you know, that was something that we worked out along the way. We didn't know what we didn't know. Yeah. And that's the very nature of this. It was a living experiment uh, and a wonderful one that, that continues on to this day, uh, which we're thankful for. As an aside, mm. do you think that one of our challenges as a church is that we try to figure out all the answers before we move. It, it sounds to me like you know one of the parts of the story for New Life was a sense of where you're going, but then a willingness to just get on the journey and yeah. figure out the details as you want. Yeah, very much so. Um, there's a wonderful uh, ad. It was one of the old Super Bowl ads, EDS, I think it was, yes. from about 10, 15 years ago, where um, you know a plane's flying has been built yeah, as it's yeah. been flown, and, yeah. and that's been highly visually. Yeah stimulating for me around this very idea. I mean, we, we, we're building it as we fly. We, 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 we're working it out as we move forward. And I think that's, I mean, that's an incredibly rich learning environment yeah. um, and can be a very painful one yeah. as well, uh, as I said before. But I think, um, for me at least, anyway, it's the only way we could have learned. Because we had, we, we didn't, when we looked around, there weren't too many models or, mm. or leaders that within our own movement we could look to. So we looked anywhere we could, to other movements, conferences, reading, those sorts of things, just to work out um, how best to move forward. And, and so in many ways, uh, New Life Pack Pines, which is now Uniting North, it's a congregation of the Uniting Church in its own right that we retain very close connections with, mm. um, was a living laboratory. Yeah. Um, and I think every church plant is. Yeah. And so, you know, subsequent to that, so on the 25th of February this year, we, we celebrated uh, New Life Pack Pines, which have been in existence for just over five years, becoming a congregation of the Uniting Church yeah. in its own right, which is fabulous. Mm. And we sent out um, uh, one, of our, uh, one of our leaders, Ralph Mayhew, uh, who'd been serving with us for seven or eight years, to, and with 33 adults and 18 kids to plant a new church at Burley Heads, which is now the Village Church. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, we've learned in, in how we've established that, we've learned from how we established mm-hmm. Pacific Pines. Uh, because the model that Ralph was pursuing, because of the sort of leader he is, the capacity he has, even though his first approach to us was, 
I wanted to lead a campus of New Life. We thought, no, in conversation and prayer, we came to a very quick conclusion, um, which he concurred with totally, that, that it should be a, a plant. Yeah, okay. What that required of us was a preparedness to yeah. give and let go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's hard. Yeah. Um, that's... So what we learned from that is, I mean, it, it is, it's, it's sending people and uh, planting, there's, there's a lot of joy, but there's sorrow, there's grief. And so, you know, I said to Ralph, we'll, we'll send 50 or so people with you. We had a Google doc we shared and, and I said, you're going to approach anybody. Once you get to 50, let's have a conversation. <laughs> and I would read that Google doc and I would both celebrate and, yeah. and uh-huh. grief yeah. because these were good friends. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I still see, of course. What, what has to happen in the culture of the congregation? that says we are not just kind of willing but excited to to send some people you know out of our life into another life and what has to happen in the culture of that community where people feel that sentness themselves and say i'm going to move on from this place which is presumably really important to me and i really love it here mm. to go and be a part of something new. Yeah. i mean you must do a lot of culture kind of work yeah and I, i've been thinking a lot about this in recent times scott um, I, I think i think a genuine, I think people will only give themselves to something like church planning if there's, uh, if they've truly been gripped by the gospel. Okay. I think, um, you know, the, the gospel's taken root deep within their lives. Um, a recognition of just how good the good news is and how they've, they've personally experienced that and however you want to describe that. Because if, if church planning is merely about expansion or perpetuating our existence or um, you know institutional survival even from a denominational level we, we, we're going to flounder pretty quickly um, there needs to be a genuine heart to share the good news with friends neighbors colleagues strangers etc and to see that gospel lived out um, in justice and community building and these sorts of things to be a genuine blessing both to individuals and to the city or community that we're in so Two down, three to go. Three mm-hmm. years, three years mm-hmm. left on the timetable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's a whole lot more interesting to talk about in the village church. But talk to me a little bit about, you know, as, does that vision still hold true for new life, and you know, where's where are things heading? Look, it, it still does. Um, it, absolutely, it does. Um, and and we're, we're in conversations at the moment with one of the presbyteries here in, in Queensland about, or in the southeast, uh, not our presbytery, about but about planning within their bounds, and that's. A whole, whole other set of questions around that, around around boundary crossing. It is, it is, and one of the things that's been incredibly um, exciting about that is that that conversation has not been driven by us, but but driven by leaders within that presbytery, Mm. who are prepared to, you know, um, to pioneer in that way, not to be restricted by um, the way we've always done things, Um, because I think often we look at we look at um, you know our, our, our received life the way we do things we think well that's the way it always has been always will be I, I don't assume that's the case so uh, you know we, we are um, committed to, to that original vision and, and it's interesting if you had asked me five years ago did I think we would we would reach that goal I would have said oh, highly unlikely now I think it's quite likely mm. uh, what it will require is the right opportunity yeah. but more particularly and this is the thing we've learned perhaps um, uh, more than anything else as critical resources are not the issue 
opportunities are not the issue, it's the people. It's people to lead. Uh, and I don't just mean the person that leads it, if that's the model we use, but I mean uh, having, a, having a group that has the leadership density yes. to bring that life and resilience and entrepreneurial and pioneering spirit, as I said before. Um, you know, there are certain people that are drawn towards it. Having said that, I mean, for me, a challenge in our context, you know, in a, in a very, you know, in a large-ish, comfortable, middle-class church where, you know, we have programs for pretty much everybody is, uh, is so that's very comfortable, is keeping the fire yeah. burning around yeah. mission generally, but church planning specifically. We just got our MCLS data back and, um, you know, 10% of our congregation think that church planning is, a, is our top priority. Okay. Now, that's pretty low. Yeah. And that was really interesting for me. So we, we've got a core of people, and, and I'm not too concerned about that because, you know, if, if 10% are, that's a, still a sizable proportion a of our church. Yeah. It's a lot of our people. But I know I've got more work to do there um, to remind people of both the opportunity and privilege that's in front of us. So you've talked there a little bit about, um, and it's not accidental, but, but the the position that New Life operates from of being well-resourced and great people. And I'm, you know, that's not an accident, that, the mm. way that's come about. But how do we then talk about church planting when we think about other congregations mm. who perhaps you know, don't have that mm. circumstance to work from? Maybe a little bit smaller physically, maybe mm. you know, in, in um, regional or, or rural areas of Queensland. Mm. Are there some principal things for you that can cross over from mm. New Life's own experiences into mm. other contexts? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, because again, go back to our where we started that conversation, um, models can vary, you know, and uh, church history is replete with that. Not a lot, and also it's the Australian context is, and so I think in in, in context different to ours, I, I think the principles that hold true is that there needs to be um, uh, within a leader or a group of leaders a vision, uh, you know, a, a burning, yeah, yeah. you know, a heart burst. Yeah. Uh, Un- unstoppable. Unstoppable. They they just have to do it. Yeah. This is this is an imperative for them. Um, but beyond that, in terms of you know how many people do you need, or that's yeah. you know that that that's not nowhere near as important. How much money do we need? How many people do we need? We need the right people and the right vision. I think is the is the critical thing. listening to the River United Church Podcast, a special one-on-one chat today with Stu Cameron exploring church planting. We're about to talk about what success looks like. Here's potentially a more difficult question. Um, we have great people, we have some great resources, but we have a bunch of existing, already existing churches that are really struggling to kind of, you know, just keep the doors open. Why would we be doing new church plants instead of kind of sending those people and those resources toward those congregations that are just struggling to keep the doors open. But church planting, I mean, the research says, I mean, and, and look, it's interesting, New Life's own MCLS data shows this. Established congregations, um, I read, read, a, read a book by uh, J.D. Grant, uh, J.D. Greer uh, called um, Scent, uh, and in it he cites research, and I've seen this in other places, in an established congregation, somewhere between 10 and 20% of people are, 
are newcomers, people outside faith who are exploring yep. faith. Yep. We've got our NCLS data, we're 14%. We're right in the mid-range of yep. that at New Life, which is fabulous because I know there's you know, there's a certain number of people here or there on a, on a Sunday or engaged weekly that for whom, well, this is around Sunday attendance, who are exploring faith and yeah. so presenting the gospel so to fantastic. them. It's yeah, wonderful yeah. mission yeah. right in front of me. Yeah. And most churches have that. Yes. Um, but in church plants, that figure is somewhere between 40 and 60%. Yeah, okay. So the church plants, by their very nature, the way they're led, their nimbleness, yeah. um, their vitality, etc., by their very nature, are going to engage with unchurched people at a far, in a far higher proportion than an established congregation. Mm. It's just the very nature of it. And all the research points in that direction. And our experience has been um, in that direction. I mean, Village Church, uh, the second Sunday, they had a gathering. Um, and it's very different to New Life. Yeah. Very different. And it's very, very new too, isn't it? We it is. It's very something. We're talking six, seven weeks old. old yeah. But it's very organic. It's very conversational. It's... Mm. You know, it's a it's a missional community and um, very open boarded and, and and loose in its liturgy. It's got, it has a liturgy, but it's a lot looser, a lot, lot less tightly scripted. Yeah. And in their second week, um, you know, a couple of people uh, uh, from outside the church uh, who'd been invited came to faith, made faith commitments in a very natural sort of way. And you know, that's exactly why I think church planning one of the reasons why church planning is so critical. So I said at the start, it's not about, the, it's not about, um, church planning is not an end in itself, it's about making disciples who make disciples, it's a strategy. Um, it's interesting, I mean, Jesus never said go and plant churches, he said go and make True. disciples. Yeah, yeah. And when we make disciples, we gather people into yeah. ecclesia, into communities. When it comes to church planting, as we look forward, what does success look like? Perhaps let me talk about what it, what it's not. Yeah, uh, it, it would not be about, and this is a, this is a danger we we actually fear, is that you collect in planning a church you collect up other disaffected yeah. uh, Christians. Now I think there's actually a ministry uh, for for new church plants to to actually make connection with people who are not in fellowship who have some faith background. So I don't what I would call the de-church. There's yes. actually a mission yeah. to the de-churched. Yeah. Uh, in our culture, that's a, a large group of yeah. people. And we would say at New Life um, that our, our, our congregation is made up of... Uh, people who come into our congregation are made up of the unchurched, the de-churched, and the over-churched. Yeah, okay. The unchurched being people who are new to faith. Like the, the playgroup mum who asked my, my wife if she could come to church, and when Sue said yes, said, do I have to buy a ticket? Yeah. Or and then there's the you do the, now. The, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the de church are, are those who who have some connection to faith, but it's yeah. tenuous or it's, it's decades ago. Sea um, change is looking for yeah, yeah. looking for community, and then the over church are those who've been burned by a bad church experience, and yeah. regrettably, yes. there are a lot of those people in our community. So, so there, we think I think around when I meet someone who's yeah. new to our church, you know, which yeah. of those categories they fit into they do so so but but a church plant that's only reaching church people is not effective no. it may be growing but it's not effective yeah. now fruitfulness is in disciple making um, and I'm not limiting disciple making just simply to see people making some sort of faith commitment but I think that's critical yeah. and that should be there in the mix in a strong way um, so so on the flip side of that effectiveness is seeing um, 
unchurched people make connection with community, connection with Christ, yeah. uh, and then grow in that and have a and a vehicle where they can be discipled in that way, on a one-on-one way. Um, I, I think effectiveness or success for us as a church is that we um, is a preparedness to try and fail and try again, yeah. and not not be pressed down by that or not yeah, be okay. discouraged by that but yeah. to learn from it to yeah. fail forward that um, is a hard challenge for us it's a huge and hard challenge for us it's a hard challenge for me yeah um because our 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 um uh, natural bias is to protect what we have yeah. uh, but we know both from from biblical teaching but also from lived experience but when we when we uh when we uh, Move into protective mode. It's counterproductive. It never, never works. Stu, uh, it's almost time for us to wrap up, um, but I want to put you on the spot and, and ask for you personally. You know, as as we look forward at this point in the life of the church, this obviously is very important to you. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, what's the future hold for Stu Cameron? Uh, church planting. Yeah, yeah. I, for for me, um, well, obviously, as I've already said, I mean. We, over uh, the next few years, we want to continue to be um, uh, resourcing church planning, sending people out, um, and mostly younger people, young yeah. families, young adults, um, uh, and that that tends to be it's not exclusively so, but that tends to be yeah. the demographic that have the flexibility and uh, to do so, and so to raise leaders capable of doing that, of yeah. mentoring yeah. leaders, women and men who are able to to lead into those contexts, um, but also. Uh, to learn from, um, you know, involved with uh, the Association of Related Churches, which is a non-denominational or interdenominational church planning network. And uh, for me, uh, you know, we will borrow from from the model, the ARC model, which is uh, loosely sort of held. Um, but what that does is it puts me into a network of, of people yeah. from other movements yeah, that I can learn from. Yeah. Um, for me, my future is the same as it's been in the past. I'm I'm not an originator. I'm a bower bird. I'll I'll pick up whatever insight <laughs> I can from whoever and where, wherever. So I'm a pragmatist. Um, and so, you know, how, what works? Where does it work? How does it work? How can it be contextualised in, into my setting? Um, is something that I want to do. And and then I, I guess hopefully by both example and you know if 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 we're able to. Uh, through teaching is help other leaders and churches discover a church planning future as well. Church planning is not for every church or leader. No. I think it's only for a particular yes. graced community and, and yeah. leader. Um, but certainly for us as New Life, we see as part of our responsibility as one of our building blocks is to be a lighthouse church and that is to be a church that resources other churches where we're able. Mm-hmm. And church planning may well be one of those. Um, and uh, as much out of our learnings from our mistakes as from our successes. Yeah. So, um, uh, but again, I think going back to one of your questions before, I, I guess what's opening up for me, and this is what I'm so excited about, what Oral and Ralph are doing with Village Church and Uniting North, they have a vision to plant churches. Mm-hmm. So where this, where the exponential yeah. or multiplier effect comes in here is when you, is when you plant churches that yeah. have deep within their DNA a, yeah. a desire to pioneer again. Um, and I think, you know, replicating that as much as possible, um, that that will help us shake off as a uniting church some of our institutional sort of um, 
freeze and, and reclaim some of the movement mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, language and identity yeah, yeah. that's that's core to our yeah. uh, core to our existence yeah. and certainly is uh, is the language of the basis of the union. On that note, Stu, thanks so much for joining us for a chat today. Thank you. It's been fantastic to have you. Folks, thank you for joining us here at the Real Uniting Church podcast. Uh, we'll be back again next time.